0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking League, your weekly NRL Fantasy podcast. Jason here in the studio, ready to bring you another edition of the Mikado Audible. For those not familiar with the Mikado, it is a long-form article series that I write for our website, talkingleaguepod.com, where I cover various elements of strategic play within NRL Fantasy. In this particular episode, which is Drafted Building Blocks, I talk about the latest updates that we've received from NRL Fantasy on the notice board and how they may affect our preparations going into round one. Now, before we start with the content, be sure to join in the fun on social media. We are Talking League Pod on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as Talking League One on Twitter, slash X. You can find all our information at www.talkingleaguepod.com, including the previous editions of the Mikado that I've written during the preseason. So in this particular episode, we are going to focus on that latest update that we received on the notice board on the 23rd of January at 4pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. It reads as follows. So there was two updates. The first one was around players. NRL Fantasy currently has all officially contracted top 30 players for all teams. Any new top 30 players will be added ASAP. The developed contract players in each squad, for example, the Storm's Suolovi Fire Logo, will be added in early February. Round one team announcements. Team lists for round one will follow the standard rules of announcement. This means the teams for the first two games of the split round, i.e. the Broncos, Rabbitohs, Roosters, and Sea Eagles, will be announced as follows: Game squad, 4pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on Tuesday, the 27th of February; 24-hour squad update, 1:30pm Saturday, 2nd of May; and one-hour squad update, 12:30pm Sunday, 3rd of March. The same cycle will be followed for all remaining matches in the season starting Tuesday 5th of March. So when we react to that initially, the first part around the players is in line with expectations. Any players currently not yet in the game, we'll see them added in February or failing that when they are named to play on Team List Tuesday. Which of course brings us to the more important part of the update in terms of this TLT situation that we have here. So we had had some speculation around there being all 16 teams announced in that first TLT but it won't be the case. So in the rest of this podcast episode, we're going to go through some of the strategies that you can do to safeguard yourself so you don't come short uh, coming into round one. So to help illustrate the impacts of having two TLTs for round one, which we're going to call A for the first one and B for the second one, I'm going to use my current sketch team. Now, of course, with this team, it isn't going to be what my final round one team is, but I anticipate that most of the core pieces will remain. And currently this team has 35K in the bank. Starting with the starting 13, Brandon Smith is at hooker. In the mids, Payne Haas is vice-captain, Josh Curran and Tavita Tola. The edges, Brendan Piacura and Angus Crichton. The halves, Josh Schuster and captain Nathan Cleary. Center, Misesi Suli and Will wing of fullback, Chevy Stewart, Ryan Papenau's and Tyron Monroe, On the bench, Jamal Fogarty, Joey Lussick, Sean Bloor and Liam Nine are the bench. The emergencies are Kyle Flanagan, Danny Levi, Sam Hughes, and K.O. Weeks. So, again, got to stress that this is a placeholder team that will change probably a fair bit uh, once we get TLTA under our belts. So, when we're talking about safeguards for round one, anyone who was kind enough to purchase last year's Talking League textbook would have read through this section within the textbook itself. But what we want to do in round one is because we have unlimited trades right up until that last game of the round... We want to ensure that we have maximum flexibility during the round. The reason for this is we don't usually get too much last-minute chaos, but the last thing that you want is to be caught out by a last-minute absence or squad change. So again, rolling lockout, it means that we can use, inverted commas, unlimited trades, drop as many players as we like until they become locked. A player will become locked when their match is involved starts or once the first match starts if they are your captain or vice-captain. So to maximise your flexibility during this unique rolling lockout that we have over two weekends, we want to take the following actions. So the first one is to put the vice-captain on a decent player that plays early in the round. So in my sketch that I've got here, I have the vice-captaincy on Payne Haas. But, you know, you could put it on a Cameron Murray if you do decide to go down that path and select him, or even a mid-ranger that happens to play in Vegas, so like an Angus Crichton or Brandon Smith. What this does is it enables us to move any player that has not yet paid. So excluding our captain, of course, which locks as soon as that first game starts. Another thing you'd like to do is put the players from your best 17 that play earliest into the starting 13. What this enables you to do is to have the flexibility to replace any player that is on your bench from any position, as opposed to if that player is in your starting team, you can only replace them with a player in that position. Usually from round two onwards, we put our dual position players on the bench, but from round one, we usually stick them in the starting team because we kind of have a rough idea as to how many players in each position we're planning to roll with. So in this example team, Smith is starting hooker because I have Lusick and Levi on the bench as hookers. In terms of my edges, Josh Huster can start as a half because Pierre and Crichton will play in the first couple of games. We Also then got Josh Curran and Sean Bloy outside of that as well on the bench. And then with Curran, he could be a starting middle because the likes of Knight and Hughes are in the same team and therefore will lock out at the same time. So that's pretty clear in terms of general safeguarding into round one. But there's some more issues that we probably need to cover when it comes to TLT A and TLT B, specifically TLT B. The main thing is, is with TLT B, we won't know who will be named for those teams until after the games in Vegas have taken place. With all those players, as well as our vice captain and captaincy locked in, our flexibility may be quite limited. So, heading back to my sketch team, these are the players that we'd be locked out before TLT drops. So, Josh Schuster, 408k, Tavita Tola, 485k, Tyron Monroe, 350k, Brandon Smith, 540k, Angus Crichton, 501k, Payne Haas, who's my vice captain, 880k, Brendan Piacura, 399k, Nathan Cleary, who is my captain, $1 million. So with these players, I have eight of my twenty-one slots locked in, as well as four point six five three million of my salary cap. This means I have five point four three seven million dollars of my salary cap to spend on my remaining players, which equates to a little bit under four hundred and twenty thousand per player, which doesn't seem like much. However, if we have the assumption that we'll have four cashies at a price two hundred fifty K or less, they will combine for a total of one million dollars or less and gives us four point four. $3,7 million to spend on the remaining nine players, which is roughly about 5000 dollars per player. Which when you consider that my remaining players in this side have only got four that exceed that price in Fogarty, 637K, Pennicini 582, Blore 518, and Current 501k, not that over reliant in cheapies. Which means I've got plenty of room to pivot should TLT turn out spicy, which it very well could. The reason I raise this is something that I've observed regularly in the teams that have reached our DMs on Messenger and Instagram, or our team advice posts on Facebook even, is that we see this base price center pairing containing two of Ethan Strange, who's 250k, Ben Drojevic, who's also 250k, and Kyle Iroh, who's 230k. So, PSA, before we get into actually talking about where these players will actually play in round one, very key, I want to reiterate on behalf of the Talking League team that we enjoy talking about your teams with you. So please don't hesitate to reach out and post your team on those posts that we put on Facebook or even hit us up in the DMs if you prefer to do that. At the end of the day, we're a fantasy podcast. We love sharing our knowledge and perspectives in pursuit of your overall and/or head-to-head ambitions. So with these three plays that we've got, Strange, Ruivic, and Eero, me personally, I don't see any of them being in a favorable position come Teamless Tuesday. And there's a number of factors here. So we'll start with Eero. It appears quite clear that Sifatallikai, who's priced at 509k, is going to be that first choice at left centre, meaning Iero is unlikely to be in the starting 13, and thus not much of an option. Sebastian Chris was suspended for round one after his appeal to include all-stars in his suspension was rejected. Per the Canberra Times, it was because he's not previously featured in Indigenous all-stars, so he'll need to come back into the team in round two, and most likely will find a spot somewhere which means that if Strange was named at centre, there's every chance that he'll be back out of the team come round two and you'll be on the lookout for another centre. Josh Schuster at 408k, appears all good to go in round one, according to the latest reports from the Seagulls, both from the boardroom and from the coaching staff, meaning that Ben is probably looking at a bench spot at least and therefore not that viable. Given the chances of more than one of these centres not being viable for round one, it's going to be a prudent approach for fantasy coaches during the preseason to get into the mindset that we may need to spend a combined total of at least 900k on our round one set of pairing. As you can see in my sketch, I've got Will Penasini, he's 582k, and Misesi Sully, who's 458k, and they cost 1,040k. With these two players, my rationale behind having them as placeholders for now is Kind of varies. So with Penasini, he's the 12th most expensive center. Only dang gay guy is more than 100K expensive in comparison to Penasini. So it gives me quite a fair bit of ability to move him up or down come TLT if there's better options that are cheaper or more expensive. He's also quite a solid scorer, career average of 39.7. And then across 2023, of course, he was 42.3. When he's played with that Mitchell Moses, those numbers suffer a little bit. Average and center across his career is 32, and then 2023, he was just 27.2. When he plays with Moses, his career average is 41.1, and 2023, he was actually 46.2. So with these numbers, it appears that Penasini is as close to, an in inverted commas, safe betters will get in the center position, meaning that he should average at least what his starting price is, and if he does do that, he's more or less going to be someone that you could probably keep for the whole season and not have to spend trades on. Now, we turn to Moses Sully, who, in fairness, has a little, far less of a convincing argument than Panassini. There is some things I do like about him. The first one, we look at his price. He's priced above 450K, meaning that it won't be too hard to move him up or down should I need to come TLT to a more expensive centre, or if we do have a cheap option, I can slide him straight down and spend that cash elsewhere. Looking at Sully, averages 33.9 in matches in his career where he's played 60 minutes or more which is pretty close to what he's priced at 33.3. A factor I do like about Suley is he averaged 37 last year when he played his preferred left centre last season, and he didn't score an unsustainable amount of tries, and he has averaged 40-plus in a recent season, being 2022. I've heard a fair bit from Coach Shane Flanagan about activating his centres during the pre-season media conferences. So, look, a little bit of narrative there, and we love those narratives at Talking League. When it comes to Suley... I'm not going to give the hard sell for you on him because I'm very much on the fence about it myself. For me, I was hoping Seb Chris would be available round one. It would make it a very easy decision. But at this point, Sully looks like he's the, inverted commas, least worst center option in this price bracket, which hopefully we can get a cheapie in there and then not have to worry about it. Now, the reason I bring that up in relation to the team that I've set up is, again, I believe it's going to be a very sensible move to consider picking players in your Sketches, as I call them, not to confuse it with Fantasy Draft, that aren't base price. Because with TLT A and B, we don't know what's going to happen with Eero Strange, well, Travoy, which we'll know because he'll feature in the first games. We won't know until our, all our players from TLT A are locked in, our VC and our C. So if you're sitting there with Strange and Eero as your only two centres and we get unfavourable news on TLT B, you're going to be on the back foot and you may not actually have a lot of room to move. Now, where this could be a real pertinent issue is if you decide to pick two big boys in the same position. So if we look in the halves, you could take both Cleary and Hines. In the mids, you could take Payne Haas and Cameron Murray. This is going to be a worry if you having them in your team is contingent on both Strange and Eero being viable. When it comes to Cleary and Hines, I personally don't have too much issue with anyone trying to run that. I'm not going to do it. But what I would say around that strategy is make sure the C is on one of them because you're spending a million dollars on them and keep the VC off the other one. This means that, say, your centre or other cheap position plans fail, you could move that player that you haven't captained into other plays and end up with a more balanced squad. When it comes to Haas and Murray, I'm not a massive fan of this strategy. I see it as being very risky as they'll both be locked in before TLTB, meaning you can't downgrade either to spend more elsewhere. Given the mid position looks like we're going to be blessed with plenty of decent mid-rangers and caches with a fair amount of upside, the percentage play would be to take a maximum of one of these two players and then lean into the value players in this position. So what happens if we get the green light on Euro and Strange? Whilst at this stage there's a low chance of getting both Euro and Strange and favourable outcomes for round one, there is still a chance of that happening. At this stage, I would be considering that as a bonus that you can react to instead of banking on it being reality in the sense that if you do have a little bit of money allocated to your centres and we get both of these or one of these plays, you could downgrade one of those plays you currently have as a placeholder in your centre position and then use that cash elsewhere to bolster your squad. If both are in favourable conditions, you know. so if we get Strange at six and Eero is starting at centre, I think most coaches will follow that traditional wisdom and go cheap in the centres because it'll be a very popular option It's going to be safe to fail with the crowd on that one. However, from what I've seen from all the teams coming through at this point in time, I can see a lot of coaches being put into an uncomfortable situation when that TLTB hits due to that cap saturation from the locked-in players, especially if the VC is sitting on a player that hasn't already yet played. At Talking League, this is going to be an issue that we're going to talk about quite a fair bit as we cover all the teams and all the players during the preseason and into our round one shows. But that brings... The end of this edition of the Mikado Audible. If you'd like to have more Mikado Audibles, be sure to reach out on the socials and let us know. We'll try and get some more going during preseason. In terms of preseason content, you can catch me on Around the Traps every Monday morning with Brenton and TK, and you'll also find me on the Rabbitohs, Dolphins, and Titans season previews. If you haven't already checked out the Mikado mini series on the draft, you can do so by checking out the links attached to this episode. The draft special that I've recorded with Pat will go live from Tuesday, February 6th. In that one, we cover all the aspects of fantasy draft in a spoken format as opposed to the written format in the mini series. So, before we go, if you have been enjoying the preseason content, be sure to leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for joining me for this audible edition of the Mikado, and we'll talk soon, team.